0: from sometime either in very late 2014 or fairly early in the year 2015 until May of 2016, uh, we preached, we the pastoral staff preached through the book of Acts, uh, which is the second of two volumes written by a man named Luke. And this morning I'm introducing the first uh, volume written by Luke titled in, in my Bible the Gospel according to Luke and you say well they are doing that backwards and we're the word that that is the only thing we've done backwards since Josh and I have been part of this staff uh, but yes we are we're going backwards the Gospel according to Luke and my task this morning is to introduce it there are three other books, though, in the New Testament that have the same sort of title. There's the Gospel according to Matthew, and the Gospel according to Mark, and the Gospel according to John. Which immediately raises the question: whether do we have four gospels? And if we do, which one's right? And how do we tell? So maybe we'd better begin by saying something about the difference between the gospel and a gospel. The gospel is the good news, that's what the word gospel means, of salvation in Jesus Christ. At its minimum, that's what it is. That's the long and the short of it, if you will. A gospel, on the other hand, is is an account of the factual events by which the gospel came to be. And it's written for the purpose of eliciting, strengthening, or confirming faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. It's at least that much. So from Luke comes a gospel by which the gospel it's a Does that make sense? Good to me. So my purpose is to introduce Luke's gospel uh, this morning as a historically factual, therefore trustworthy account of the person and work of the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Fortunately, Luke makes that easier than any of the other writers because he writes an introduction right up front. These first four verses of his gospel—they're uh, printed there in your bulletin, or you've got your whatever—the digital device, or your uh, even if you got anybody still got a book with pages in it—you know, you might want to open that and 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 read there. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. My point uh, this morning is that you're in my faith rest upon the bedrock of the historical truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. Let's pray. Father, these are the words written by Luke, but they're your words, breathed out by you, brought to Luke by your Spirit, who has watched over them and brought them to us this morning. So we pray, Spirit of God, that you will now open these words to us, to our hearts, to our minds, to our wills, to our souls. To the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you and my faith rest upon the bedrock of the historical truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. But, let's be clear before we go any farther, you're not saved by believing the Bible is true. Is that heresy? I'm going to use myself yet again as a bad example. It's so easy to do. I... I was uh, I was baptized in a Bible believing Presbyterian church uh, in Chicago of all places. That's another story. But uh, I didn't know I was. I, I didn't realize I'd ever been a Presbyterian or in a Presbyterian church until I became a Presbyterian. In fact, until I was a Presbyterian pastor, I found my baptismal certificate in uh, some old family papers, and lo and behold, there it was. But I was confirmed in a Bible-believing Missouri Synod Lutheran Church in St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana. Both Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching churches. And I always took the Bible seriously. I always thought it to be a special book. It's right there on the cover. It said, Holy Bible. Special book to me. I knew that, and I never questioned that i never I never doubted it i don 't know that i don 't know when I would have begun to to call it god 's word, but I certainly knew that it was a book about God. I believed it to be true. I tried to read it uh never could wade through all that stuff it was for years it was like it was still in the original Hebrew and Greek and I'm talking about from age 12 to well over 25 and I would pick it up and try to read it and put it down. When I got out of school and was working and traveling and spending nights in motels I would pick up the Gideon Bible and try to read it and of course they were all King James and. Uh, And that really was like trying to make sense out of the Hebrew or Greek. I may have done better in the Hebrew and Greek. uh, But I tried to read it and I never could. And and yet I never doubted it was true and that it was well worth reading. And one ought to read it and know it. And I did read it enough to to garner some things from it uh, that I always believed. Uh, Yet I never acted on those things. I believed what I knew about Jesus Christ. I may, depending on the day you ask me and the year, I may have identified as a Christian. But never in that time did I believe in Him, in Jesus Christ. Never, ever had I trusted him for salvation. Example, <clears throat> I would lay awake at night confessing sins and I'd get the list done and then I'd search my soul for more because somewhere along the line I picked up this idea that you know, if, if you die in your sleep and you have unconfessed sins you go straight to hell and I didn't want to go straight to hell and so I can't tell you that the nights I spent awake confessing sins I, I was tempted to make some up even to you know maybe they cover other things or, uh, I wonder if there's someone else who has either done that or who right now is doing that is having that particular wrestling match. You're not saved by believing the Bible is true. I believe that. You're saved by trusting Jesus Christ for your salvation. Whose story the Bible is. And it is important that the Bible is true because it's It's by the true witness of the Bible that any of us rest in Jesus for our salvation. Remember Jesus' prayer in John 17. He's prayed for the disciples. He's prayed for the apostles. All those people who have been following him who he sent out into the world and they've come back to him. and, And having prayed for them he continues, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I don't just pray for the apostles and the disciples, but I pray for Woody Martin and Linda Martin and Josh Martin and all of those who are to come who will believe in me by their word, by these words that they spoke and they wrote and that have come down to us. And where, where are those words found but between the covers of this book? Remember John, John's Gospel when he's getting to the end. And he's about to close the book. And he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Luke just boils that all down to this. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, the things having been accomplished among us, which Luke was diligent to research and to record, is nothing less than the fulfillment of God's promises of salvation in and through His Son, Jesus Christ that's what makes the Bible so special so important it's written in its entirety so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ that you may rest in him serve him and be with him for all eternity, it's not simply by believing the Bible is true, it's by acting on the Bible's truth that life comes. The truth of the Bible's witness brings men, women, boys, and girls. You trust in Jesus, their Savior. And the question this morning is, have you? Have you? When I said I'm supposed to be introducing Luke's gospel, well, who is this guy, Luke, and why should you or I believe what he wrote? Why should we take his word Very briefly, well, first I'm going to exhaust everything that the Bible tells us about Luke. So, get comfortable. Here is what the Bible tells us about Luke. He was a physician who was held in high esteem by Paul and others. Paul called him beloved physician He was, at one point, the only person attending Paul in his imprisonment. He's identified likewise by Paul as his fellow worker. He accompanied Paul on some of his missionary travels. And that's it. That's that's everything the Bible says about Luke by name all three places in the Bible that you find him mentioned by name. Now we also figure out that Luke spent time in Jerusalem and that's key and important. Here's how he went about his work of writing this book we're going to be looking at uh, for the next weeks and months. First he interviewed original sources. I've said there are four gospel accounts in the New Testament and apparently there were more. Uh, that were circulating around in, in, in the first century, some were written, some were oral. Uh, i don 't know how complete they were. Uh, perhaps this person you know was at a gathering where Jesus was speaking, and, and he heard this, and he repeats that, and somebody else was familiar with this part of Jesus' life. Somebody else was there at the crucifixion and another and, and these accounts were were there. And some of them were written down according to Luke. And so Luke studied them. He used them. There were those who, from the beginning, he says, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. He interviewed them face to face, he had access to the disciples, or to many of them, and, and to the apostles who had been with Jesus for three years, had eaten with Him, talked with Him, listened to Him, traveled with Him. They'd been taught by Him. They watched Him. Do you remember how John begins his first epistle? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Luke didn't spend very many hours in the local library. He wasn't going up and down, you know, the the shelves looking for books about what happened uh, when Jesus came to town. He interviewed those who were there, who saw it, who touched him, shared meals with him, listened to him, heard him pray, watched handed out the bread and the fish and picked up the leftovers. Who saw him speak, and people rose up and walked and saw him were healed they knew and so he interviewed them he went to these human sources first hand witnesses recorded what they said not only did he interview he investigated he investigated everything on his own he followed all things closely uh, he writes It's like a private eye, private investigator, you know, tracking down every lead, going, looking at everything, uh, gathering evidence, kicking over every rock, looking for the truth, trying to unearth it, trying to poke holes in what people said, looking for things that conflicted with it. Get to the truth, to get to the bottom of all these things that are being written and said about Jesus of Nazareth. He investigated everything closely in a in a careful and attentive way is what the language he uses was getting at. And so having interviewed the sources and 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 having investigated everything thoroughly, he inscribed on the page, that is, really on the scroll, there were no pages back then, on the scroll, an orderly account. Not necessarily a strictly chronological account, although it is somewhat chronological and follows an order from beginning to end. But rather, he arranged it to best present the fulfillment of God's redemptive purposes in Jesus Christ. And to best realize Luke's purpose in putting it all down in the first place. His interviewing, his investigating, his inscribing makes Luke's gospel trustworthy for you and me. Uh, much more could be said that I'm not going to take your time up on it. You can read about it. Just pick up a commentary and there. are hundred pages written on, on the background of, of Luke. Luke's gospel is worthy of, of your and my reading and, and receiving as truth. Which leads us to ask, leads us to ask, well, who is this guy, Theophilus? Why are Luke's gospel and the book of Acts addressed to him? Apparently, Theophilus was Luke's patron. There are some other theories, but apparently he was Luke's patron. He underwrote this enterprise, apparently. Encouraged him in it. He might have been a Roman, uh, an important Roman person, a a Roman official, perhaps. Uh, That term most excellent it's only used a few times in scripture and it's always used of a Roman official a high Roman official but he seems to be someone who has who has befriended at the very least uh, the Jewish faith remember the centurion whose servant Jesus healed the, the Jews from the synagogue came and said you know this man is worthy he's a Roman soldier yes but he built our synagogue he's a friend of God he's a God fearer or a friend of God or Theophilus literally lover of God or friend of God he had some connection maybe maybe he had come to faith in Jesus or maybe he was asking questions about him This Jesus that he's hearing about from those within the Jewish faith. And so apparently he assigns to Luke this work. Find out the truth and bring it to me. And Luke did. And so Luke was writing for his benefactor, for his patron either to elicit his faith in Jesus Christ, to, to, to draw him to rest in Jesus for his salvation, or to strengthen him in a faith, or to confirm that faith that he already had. But there's also this, he wasn't writing only for Theophilus. This is a, a dedicatory preface. I was going to read you the long preface from Calvin's Institutes where he defends the Christian faith and gives his reason for writing them uh, to the king. And it's a dedicatory... whatever. I can't remember the big, big word. Uh, it's beyond me. But anyway... I decided to spare you, if you're interested, how long you might copy, and you can read the page or so of the uh, dedicatory address. He was writing for others. It was published, it was, you know, sent out to others other than Theophilus with the exact same purpose to draw people to this Jesus or to confirm them, strengthen them in their faith in him. And there's much more that we could say, and there's much more that we will say in the weeks and months, who knows how long, until we get to the end of uh, Luke's gospel. But for now, what I need to do is to ask you, where are you? With Jesus. It's an important question to ask, to put before you. If you want to stand up and testify, that's okay, but just for you to deal with it, as we enter into studying this book of Luke, because we're doing it with a purpose. We're not just doing it to kill time, because I mean, there's these 30 minutes that we're in the middle of the worship service, and one of us is supposed to say something, and so let's say about Luke. That's not the way it works. Here's why why we're doing this. Are you a believer? Sure of your salvation in Him? Well, then, our time in in Jesus, uh, pardon me, in Luke, is meant to confirm your faith, to strengthen you in it, to build it. Are you a believer? You think? Maybe? Perhaps? Well, um, I think I am. I think. And our time in Luke is meant to help you find an assured knowledge that you do have eternal life in Him. Or perhaps you're simply not there yet. It's okay all of us have been there one time or another. We're just not there. Our time in Luke is meant to bring you to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. To love Him, to serve Him, to spend eternity with Him. And so we embark on our trip through uh, the Gospel according to Luke. Uh, starting next week and on to the end, Lord willing. That's us